Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. We're joining online again, um, but there is a target now. Uh, we're online for the next two weeks, and then on the 28th, we'll be able to gather in person, and we will also be online. So if you're used to joining online and you can't be with us in person, we will still be broadcasting, but we will be go, go back to the live streaming uh, option uh, rather than pre-recorded. This is a pre-recorded service. Um, but yeah, I just hope that we experience the presence of God today. We've got a fantastic song uh, to bring this morning, which really focuses in on Jesus and all that he has done for us. And I, I really hope that we begin to really worship uh, through that. Just watch out in the, the, the comments for the, the words to the song. Um, they'll be there. Um, but yeah, I just pray that we really experience God's presence today. So let's just bow our head as we come to worship God this morning. Father, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we might not be able to gather in person today, but Father, we know that wherever we are, you are because you live inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we are so appreciative of the fact that you live within us, Father. Lord, we are your children. Lord, scattered all across the globe. Father, meeting in who knows what kind of way today. Father, but this is your day. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We come to worship you. We come to just lift up the name of Jesus this morning because he is the one that we center everything around. He is the axis upon which we turn. Father, he is the, the pivot upon which we turn. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he has done for us, all that he means to us. And Jesus, we just pray that you would make your presence felt this morning. Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us in such a, an incredible, powerful way as we worship you, as we turn to your word, as we uh, just consider what you want to say to us this morning. Help us to tune into all that you have to say and all that you are and all that you mean to us this morning, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Let's worship God.
you though that he did not stay on that cross that that cross is empty that Jesus was put in the grave but he didn't stay there and the grave is empty Father that he rose on that third day and he is alive and he has power and his name to achieve incredible things and Father we thank you that the power of Jesus is 
uh, work in this world today, Father, that he uh, is able to accomplish things that are beyond our wildest dreams, beyond our imagination, Father, beyond all that we can ask or imagine. And Father, we just thank you that Jesus is here today. Jesus is here to be able to meet every need that is present as we gather today. Father, we may be in separate homes, but Father, you're able to come into our home and into our hearts, into our families. And Father, you're able to touch us at that place of need. And so, Father, we just pray that as we carry on in this service, that you would come and that you would fill us with your spirit. Father, that you'd fill us with your heart and love for each other. And Father, we just pray that you'd be with us. And Father, we, as we turn to your word in just a second, Lord, we pray that you'd open it up to us, that our hearts might be open to you, all that you want to say to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's get our Bibles ready. Um, we're going to go into 1 Kings chapter 17 and we're going to just hear what God has to say to us through his word. Amen. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the, reg- in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar, so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. 16. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. 
he gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Well, good morning. If you're just getting the chance to tune in and join us, I hope you managed to catch maybe some of that song there. I just think the words in it are, are absolutely phenomenal. And, and just the chorus, oh, the cross, what you've done is more than enough, is more than enough. The power of your blood was more than enough. And, you know, I just wonder if we can really sing that this morning and that come from our hearts, that the cross is enough, that what Jesus has done for us is enough. You know, when I think about what some Christians have endured in this world, it's just, you just kind of think, wow, it's such a challenge. But just welcome, welcome to the service today. And, uh, you know, the title of what I want to talk about today is uh, When God is in the Mix. And yeah, it is Mother's Day today. Um, normally we would be doing things to, to sort of celebrate that. And we'd have maybe some kind of focus or message on Mother's Day. And today, I'm going to focus on 1 Kings chapter 17. And, you know, there is a woman in the story with her son, a widowed woman. And so there is a kind of focus on uh, mothers today. It's not specifically Mother's Day, but I just felt God uh, was really speaking to me as I was reading this passage, and I wanted to share it with you. Thanks to Voki for uh, reading the scriptures for us, and uh, hopefully you, you kinda were able to track the story so you know where we're going to go today. And what I'm going to do today is just a little bit different. I want to just spend a bit of time going through the scriptures and pulling out uh, some of the, the things that God might be wanting to say to us through that and some of the meaning in scripture. And here we are, we're in First Kings chapter 17. Elijah has faithfully delivered the word of God to Ahab. Ahab was one of the kings that descended from David. Ahab was making a mess of things. He was a wicked king. He restored idolatry in the country and God was unhappy with him and God brought a message through Elijah and God had said that there was going to be no rain on the land for th- at least three years. And Elijah has delivered this word to him. He's been faithful. And now Elijah is in a ravine, the Kerith ravine. He's there by a stream, and he is being fed by ravens. So a a difficult situation in the land. And I just think it's amazing that God actually uses ravens to feed Elijah. I also think it's amazing that they're willing to give up the bread and the meat which they bring to Elijah. Uh, It's nothing short of miraculous. But in the situation, Elijah... If you think about this, he has said to the king that there's not going to be any rain, but Elijah is under the same set of circumstances as the king. The king who has sinned against God, but what's happening because of that is affecting Elijah. It also affects the widow of Zarephath that we're going to read about in just a little second. And it says that sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain on the land. Just going to use some pictures as we flick through the story again. Same pictures. And the word of the Lord came to him, go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. I wonder what the widow's response was. I wonder how she heard God. If God had instructed her, how did she understand that it was God? And, you know, she maybe had one of those what the heck moments, you know, what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, as we read on, we, we read that he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have something to drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, 
and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Sure enough, Elijah met the widow, and his immediate need was for water, and then he asked for bread as well. And it just makes me think how often the provision of God is found in the people of God. The provision of God is found in the people of God. And very often, you can be the answer to somebody else's prayer. When you pray, often the answer to that prayer is found in another person. God brings the two together. It's miraculous nonetheless, but the provision of God is found often in the people of God. And we need to be, allowed, we need to be prepared to open our hands and give as others have need. And it goes on to say this, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And what we're painting here is a picture of smallness. We're painting a picture of somebody who's at the end of the tether, somebody whose world has become smaller and smaller and smaller until she gets to the place where she's nothing left. And how must she have felt as she saw the day approaching where the jar with the flour became less and less and less and the jug with the oil was depleted and became less and less and less and she saw the day coming. And here she is gathering a few sticks to make a little fire, to bake her bread, and that would be the end of it. And it's amazing how God often allows us to come so close to the edge before he finally answers prayer. Sometimes we've been praying about a thing for a long time, and it's as we get to that point of desperation that God steps in and answers the prayer. That's when the answer comes. And the widow's thoughts are all surrounded uh, are all around the, the, the whole subject of death. She's, she's got no hope left. The, the, she, she says, how, how are we going to survive this? There is no way. And she had no bread, but she did have some resources left. She had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. God had something to work with in the situation. A little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And maybe your place, I don't know about everybody's situation in detail. I do know some things that are going on uh, in the life of the church, obviously. But maybe you're in a place of smallness. And rather than look at what you don't have, can I encourage you to look at what you do have and to invite God into the mix? Pray over what you have, be faithful in the small things, and watch what God will do. Because when God is in the mix, miracles happen. Sometimes we need to come to that place of desperation before the miracle will happen, though. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It gives us an insight into the woman's feelings. Here she is. Her world is becoming smaller, reducing. She's at the end of herself. She thinks, this is it. This is the end. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. You might have seen a little post if you're on social media that I posted. 365 times the Bible tells somebody, don't be afraid. 365, one for every day of the year, where God can say to us, don't be afraid. And then he says, go home and do as you have said. And there's something so natural about uh, the, the whole set of circumstances. It's just 
you know, somebody going home and doing what they would normally do. They, they, they take the, the, the flour and the oil and maybe a little water and mix it up, and it's also natural. But when God is in the mix, the supernatural can happen. Miracles can happen. You know, she was just getting on with the routine of life, the routine of work. And for so many of us, that it's just, even these days, you're, you're kind of like, you're, it's, it's almost like you're in this kind of treadmill and you're going around the same things all the time. But it's in the routine sometimes that God shows up. And this is something that I find interesting that Elijah says. He says, he says go, and, go, and, go and do what you, you were going to do, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. But first, but first. And I think to myself, come on, Elijah, give the woman a break. She's at the end of her means, the end of her resources. I wonder, would I have asked that of somebody in that position? I probably wouldn't. But here she is, she's at the end of her resources and she has a choice to make. And I wonder if this is just a test of obedience. You see, she'd heard the word of God. I'm going to send Elijah to you. Was it a test of her obedience, a test of her faith? What would you do? What would you do in the circumstances if you were almost at the end of your resources? Would you give to God first? The God who's given everything for you, would you give to God first? What would you do? And I think often God is waiting to see if we will take the small step before we can then take the big step. And I want to suggest that if we won't take the small step, then we can't take the big step. If we won't take this little step of faith, then we can't, we're not going to be ready to take a greater step of faith. Let's go on in the passage. It says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. When God speaks, there is power in the words that he speaks. There is an actual power contained within the words as he speaks them. And when God is in the mix, miracles happen. There's a supernatural dynamic. Flour, oil, a little water, a fire, making bread, it's all very natural. But there's a supernatural dynamic in the situation. God does something miraculous. When God's in the mix, miracles can happen. The flour and the oil would continue to flow till God restored the land when rain would return. God always provides for our needs. He doesn't always provide for our wants, but he always provides for our needs. I remember at a critical point in life, one of the verses that kept coming to me was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Time of big decision, a time of risk, a time of taking a step of faith. And I, I remember so clearly, that's what God said to me. And I took that step of faith. Interesting that the widow in their story, we mentioned this earlier, is under the same judgment as King Ahab, this wicked king. She's under the same judgment. And she might seem like the victim in her story. 
We tend to think that way in our society these days. She was the innocent victim, not done anything wrong. But the reality is that this woman is a sinner like everyone else. We talked about that, that last week, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. She is a sinner who's in need of grace. Let's go on in the story. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. She obeyed the word of the Lord, and she took that small step, though it probably for her felt like quite a big step, and she trusted and she obeyed. And I was reading Nicky Gumbel, and he talked about somebody who'd said that the words trust and obey are like putting on our marching boots, left, right, left, right. Trust, obey, trust, obey. And I think that's what the Christian life is like for us. As we travel through this Christian life, it's about trusting and it's about obeying. It's about hearing what God is saying and putting our trust in him and putting into practice the thing that he says. Trust and obey. And if you're of a certain age, you will know the song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way. Trust and obey. Simply trusting and obeying Jesus. Easier said than done, though. And it goes on to say that there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family and for, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And I want to suggest today that obedience precedes provision. The things that we're looking for in God will come if we're obedient to him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And I also want to say that actions speak louder than words. She could have said, yeah, I'll go and do that. No problem, just you wait there and go off and just disappear and never come back. She could have said all the right things and it would have made no difference. It was when she put it into practice and did it. That's where the power was. And James tells us in his book in the New Testament that faith without works is dead. Don't show me your faith, he says. Show me your works. You can talk about faith and you can talk a good game, but faith is lived out in action. And then there's this turn in the story. There's this moment in the story where everything changes. It's a pivotal moment in the story. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill and he grew worse and worse and finally he stopped breathing. And suddenly the woman is in crisis. She saw the jar of flour and the jug of oil beginning to slowly fade away and dwindle. God stepped in, but she saw that one coming. Here's a situation that she didn't see coming. It was a sudden moment and just a crisis that just cropped up that she had no control over and I think we experienced moments like this in our lives as well where things happen where there's a, a crisis in life you know I was thinking about some of the the crises that some people went through in the bible the bible is full of these moments like David when he was on that rooftop and he was looking at Bathsheba a sudden moment of temptation a crisis Think about Peter who had denied Jesus and Jesus had said he was going to do it. But suddenly when the cock crowed, when the rooster crowed, he realized and he went into crisis mode. I've let the Savior down. I've let Jesus down. I've let my friend down. 
And he went away and he wept. And he was in a crisis moment. Sometimes we experience these moments. Maybe it's when we're sat across the desk from a doctor and the doctor tells us some things that we don't want to hear and we find ourselves in a crisis. I want to suggest that there's a, there are two ways that we can go when we find ourselves in this situation. This is what the woman says to Elijah. She said, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? See, even the widow recognizes that she's a sinner. She recognizes that there have been things in her life that have taken her away from the path that God would have her walk on. And despite the miracle in the jars, despite this miraculous provision, here she is in a a crisis moment. She, She didn't see it coming, and she begins to react in the crisis. And I get it. I understand it. I've been there myself, and I'm sure you've been there too. When you suddenly find yourself in a crisis and you react. But the widow's reaction provokes the prophet's response. Elijah responds into the situation, and there's a world of difference between reacting and responding. Reacting can be based on our emotions. Responses can be based on what God is saying, having prayed about something, having thought something through, and then we speak, then we respond. And this is what Elijah says. He says, give me your son. And he took him from her and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and and they laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, Have you brought tragedy on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Powerful, powerful. What a powerful, powerful prayer. Elijah cries out to God, and and in his words there's there's this shock and surprise element. And the the, the word that's used here, the Hebrew word, uh, is is like accosting. It's like accosting somebody. You can be working away and and happily getting on with things, and suddenly somebody bursts in, and it's like, help, help, you need to come and help me now. It's that element of surprise, that element of shock where you go, whoa. And that's what God, that's what Elijah does with God. He cries out to God. And God hears his prayer. God hears his petition and his plea. There are times in our lives where our regular prayers are not enough, where God is looking for something deeper from us to come from deep inside of us, where we we don't just pray a little nice prayer. We cry out to God and we plead to God in a situation. And it's often in a crisis where things are desperate that we cry out to God. We need to be desperate enough in the desperate situation, to cry out to God. I want to suggest something, church, that when the jar is full and the family is fine, then it's easy to forget about God. When the jar is full and the family is fine, it's easy to forget about God. Sometimes it's when we're put into that crisis that we really begin to call out to God and seek God in the situation. And then it goes on to tell us in the story, then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord the same word, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Three times, again and again and again, he cries out to God. 
And then God answers the prayer. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. You see, when God's in the mix, miracles happen. I understand how difficult it is when we cry out to God and we're looking for the miracle, and sometimes the miracle doesn't come. Sometimes the miracle doesn't happen. Things don't work out the way that we hoped that they would. And I understand the pain that is associated with that. But that doesn't change the character and nature of God. It doesn't change the fact that God is sovereign. It doesn't change the fact that when God is in the mix, miracles happen. But did you ever wonder why? Why did this happen in the first place? Why did God restore the boy's life? And I just wonder, is there a deeper meaning that we can learn from this particular piece of text? And does this miracle point to an even greater miracle? What did the woman say? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? And we're reminded of our sin by the death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in this story, we read about a boy whose life is taken but is restored. Almost 900 years later, the son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, died on a cross. But God raised him to life. In the story that we're thinking about, this widow of Zarephath with her son, God restored his life. And God raised Jesus to life. This woman's son was the hope for her future, her provision in her old age. When the son died, her hope was gone. Let me say that for us, Jesus is our hope. The risen Jesus is our hope. He's the one who comes and gives us life. And because the son lives, because Jesus lives, we too shall live. The Son of God, Jesus, he said of himself that he is the bread of life. We don't live simply by eating. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And we live by digesting the words of God to us. Every word. And by that, I'm talking about taking the the meaning, reading, meditating, praying through the things that God has sent us every day. Because every day we eat food Every day we need spiritual food. And the Holy Spirit's present in all of this as well. Often the Holy Spirit is represented by oil. Did you know that? Maybe you've not been, uh, you've not heard that before, but the Holy Spirit, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the oil in bread, not sure if you know this, the oil in bread makes it softer and stops it from drying up. And I just, I saw something in this. The oil was added to the bread. The oil didn't run out. The oil was continually supplied. The flour was continually supplied. And Jesus supplies us with his word every day. And the the Holy Spirit, that oil of the Spirit is applied to us every day. And I don't know about you, but I know that I need the Holy Spirit in my life to stop me from becoming hard-hearted as a Christian and to Allow me to flow in the things that God has, not to dry up as a Christian. We need these things day by day. 
I don't want to be a dry old stick as a Christian. I don't want to become a hard-hearted, judgmental, pharisaical Christian. I want to remain soft in my heart. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about the life of David, that God didn't look at his outward appearance, although he was a handsome young man, but God looked at his heart. God is interested in what's going on at our heart level. And we know from Scripture that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. The bread of life with the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit without measure. And I wonder if that's why Jesus became so soft-hearted towards those who were around him. It says that he had compassion on the people, the sinners, the castaways, the write-offs, the bruised, the battered, the broken, the people who were needy. And Jesus was soft towards them. Yes, he was hard towards the establishment, but he was soft to those who were like sheep without a shepherd. I love that verse in the scripture where it says, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he won't snuff out. Jesus is soft towards us. Even though we may have been hard-hearted towards him or towards others, Jesus is soft towards us and he waits for us to come into his presence and to seek him. And I sometimes wonder, how did Mary feel when she stood nearby Jesus as he died on that cross? How did this woman, this widow at Zarephath feel when her son died? All hope's gone. And here's Mary. She's standing by that cross and she sees her son die. I find it unimaginable to think how she must have been feeling. And as I was preparing this message today, I felt compelled to say she was a good mother and yet still her son died on that cross. She was a good mother, but her son still died on that cross. And I hear Jesus say, it's recorded in the scripture, as he looks out on the scene to Mary, this is your son. She's talking about, he's talking about John. And he says to, he addresses John and he says, this is your mother. He's providing for Mary, who at this point in time, it would appear that she's widowed. And we see in the story in Kings, a picture of something greater that was going to happen 900 or so years later. How must Mary have felt when she saw that Jesus was raised to life again. Tears of grief turned to tears of joy. The exhaustion of grief became the exhilaration of life. She had hope. Jesus was alive again, and she was able to meet with him, touch him, see him, and know that he was alive. Powerful, powerful stuff. It's the same expression of the father in the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember that story? Where the boy goes off and he wanders off and spends his father's inheritance, his half of it, and he ruins his life. And he gets to a place where he goes, I actually can't stay here any longer. Even my father's servants are better looked after than me. I'm going to repent. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to confess. I'm going to turn my life around. And when he gets back to the father, what is this amazing picture? The father with his arms outstretched, waiting for his son to come back. And then I think about this story where he says, my son who is dead is alive. And I think about the joy in a mother's heart where a prodigal son or daughter comes back to the Lord. I don't know who's all watching this today on Mother's Day. Can I just say that your mother 
If you're not in church, your mother prays for you to come back into a relationship with God. And nothing would make your mother more happy than for you to come back to the one who can give you life, real life. I keep saying this, this, this is the great fact of history, the resurrection of Jesus. A man called Lee Strobel, his wife became a Christian. He was a, an atheist, a journalist, and he set out to disprove Christianity. He set out to, to, to claim that Jesus was just a big fake. And he thought the Achilles heel of Christianity is this thing called the resurrection. And, and he set out to disprove the resurrection. And in the course of setting out to disprove the resurrection, he met Jesus for himself. He surrendered to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. And his story is recorded in the book, The Case for Christ. There's a movie. You can watch it on Netflix. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. And you can watch his story played out in a film. Powerful, powerful story. Somebody who disbelieved and yet came to meet the very person that we're talking about today. It says in the text that Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and he said, look, your son is alive. In this account, the widow's world was surrounded by death, but Elijah the prophet comes and he brings life. Death and destruction are turned to life and hope. You see, when Jesus is in the mix, miracles happen. When Jesus is in the mix, things change in life. And when Jesus is in the mix, we, became, we become these new people, that we, the, the people that we always wanted to be to start with. I've quoted this verse so many times from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's talking about the devil who comes to steal away your life, to, to rob you of peace and joy and happiness and all these things. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness, a full life, an abundant life, an overflowing life. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I wonder what would it take for you to believe in God today? I'm talking to Christians who are gathered online today. I know that. There are other people maybe gathered who you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. But the same applies to us all. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you need to take that step and put your trust and faith and hope in him. But Christians today, maybe you're facing some difficult situations, some, some crisis or other, something where you are in need and, and things, you just need a breakthrough, you need an answer in prayer. No matter where we are, we need Jesus to come into the mix. We need Jesus to come into the situation. And even when there's miracles... Sometimes some people still don't believe. And I understand that. That's, that's life. I personally, if I never saw another miracle in my life, would still believe in Jesus. Because he's so real to me. He's, he lives inside of me through the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, God is that one constant in my life and the lives of so many others, millions of people across this world. God is that one constant through Jesus through what he has done for us, through the Holy Spirit living within us, he is that one constant that remains faithful and true 
throughout our lives. God is sovereign in in every situation, even the death and resurrection of his own son, even in our death, God is sovereign. And I want to say this one last time, when God is in the mix, when Jesus is in the mix, miracles happen. God can come into your circumstances today. God can come into your crisis today. Your family situation, whatever is going on, your work situation, the job situation, the potential redundancy situation, the worries that you have about the future, and we've spoken about that over the last few weeks. Jesus can come in and he can give you abundant life. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who can come and give you peace regardless of the situation. He is the one that can come and fill your heart with joy regardless of the situation. You see, happiness depends on happenings. It depends what's going on round about us. And one minute we can be happy and the next minute we can be sad. But a mind focused in God is at peace. A mind focused in God, there is joy that flows from deep within us. And an overflowing joy and, and, and life everlasting. That's what God, that's what he's holding out and offering today. Not just a good life here, but eternal life. Not just life in this body, but life when this body, this shell dies. He offers us eternal life, a future and a hope with him. And we'll maybe talk about what that maybe looks like. What does the Bible tell us about heaven? What does the Bible tell us about hell? Maybe we'll stop and have a little think about that at some point in time. But I know this, I know that Jesus loves you with a passion. Jesus cares about you. And he says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. He cares, he loves, he has compassion, he sees, he knows what's going on in your situation. Can I encourage you to just come before him today and just to surrender to him, whether you're a Christian or whether you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to invite, uh, I'm going to ask you to invite God into your heart, to invite Jesus through, uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit into your heart. And you can pray this prayer after me and say amen at the end and invite Jesus into your heart. I'm going to pray for Christians as well today. And just pray that God will demonstrate his presence in your situation. Let's just pray as we draw things to a close today. If you've never made a decision to become a Christian, pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I know that you can do incredible things. And I ask that you would come into my heart through your Holy Spirit. Set me free free from the circumstances, free from my sinful past. Make me new. Holy Spirit, come in to my heart. Clean up my heart and set me on the right track. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, then the Holy Spirit will come in and live in your heart. And it's a case of feeding on the things that God has for you day by day by day. We want to get get alongside you and to help you with that. And so you can email us through the the church website at whitburnpentecostal.com. There's a way to communicate with us through there. Leave a message on on, uh, 
um, YouTube or, or Facebook, private messages. There's all sorts of ways that you can get in touch. And I just want to pray for the church as we finish off on this Mother's Day. I pray that you have a great day uh, for the rest of the day. Enjoy Mother's Day. Whatever you're doing, if you're making a special meal, and we're not going to be going out to restaurants, that's for sure. Um, but I just want to pray blessing on, on your family today. So, Father, we just thank you for everyone who's gathered here today. And Father, we just pray that you would bless each family, each individual. Father, you know the difficulties, the challenges that we're facing just now. And Father, we need you to come into some of those crises situations. Father, in those situations where we feel that the, the resources are running low and we're worried about the future, we're maybe worried about a job situation, Father, we pray, help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness because, Father, we know that when we put you first in our lives, then everything else takes care of itself that you are the God who provides. You're the God who sees us. Father, you're the God who is above every other power and above every other name that can be invoked. That, Father, you are all-powerful and able to act in our situation. And, Heavenly Father, we know that when you come into the mix, that miracles happen. Things change. Situations change. And, Lord, we continue to look to you. And, Father, we pray that you bless this church and all who call this church home. We pray that you bless the community that we sit in here and Whitburn, but Father, we pray bless the surrounding communities and bless your church in this area. And Father, may your spirit begin to flow in your church in a new way. Father, may the oil of the spirit move through your church in new ways. Father, that Jesus might be glorified, that you may be glorified. And Father, we just look to you for these things. Help us today to enjoy our time with each other as we celebrate Mother's Day. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us to know that you love us and care for us with such a passion. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. And so it just remains for me to wish you a great week, to pronounce the Lord's blessing over you, and may you know his faithfulness in your life today. May you put on those boots, trust and obey. Left, right, left, right. And may you know God's provision in your family today and in this week that will come in his name. Amen.